Hey guys, it's Cody here. Just want to give a quick warning. The audio quality is a little bit shoddy at times, but that is because Brad is literally driving around the US in an RV. He's just living the dream life. So please, don't hold that against him. And like TJ would say, Cody, you're being a psychopath. It's fine. <laughs> Enjoy the episode. Ready. Aim. Fire. Welcome to another episode of the Fire Below Zero podcast. Today we have a very special guest, and his name is Brad. And what he's doing right now is literally amazing. He's traveling the country with his wife and his two-year-old daughter, working part-time, 20 to 25 hours a week, making $150,000 a year. And if you don't think that's possible, just wait till he gets on and you will be truly inspired and amazed by his story. Yeah, Cody, I mean, this guy is so inspirational. I mean, he's doing what most of us can only dream about. Like most people in the nine to five pursuing fire, this is their dream life. And this guy has managed to do it at the young age of 28. So this is just something I'm super excited to dive into. And I can't wait for him to really just share those tips with us that hopefully, you know, maybe people just getting out of college or even people that are well on in their careers can implement and possibly start living a life just like Brad is. So yeah, I'm super excited for this. And with that, I'd love to welcome our guest Brad to the show. How you doing today, Brad? Hey, doing awesome. How are you guys doing? We're doing great as well. And we are just so excited to dive into your story because it really is inspirational. And it really shows you that this can be done. Yeah, I, I really appreciate you guys even having me on. And I think we're doing some interesting things, but but things that other people can definitely implement in their lives. And yeah, I'm ready to jump right in. Okay, Brad, so really quickly, can you just touch on like, how did you find out about the concept of fire? Is this something that has always been a goal for you? Is this something that you picked up along the way after you started working and actually saw that the nine to five grind isn't something that you wanted to live the rest of your life? Yeah, that, that's a good question. And I'll say that I think it, maybe it wasn't fire or fi as you would call it, but I've definitely always had a frugal mindset. But it, it really didn't hit me until I was a couple of years into my career that I really understood what FI was and what it could mean. Early on, I was just trying to retire at 59 and a half, which is basically when you can cash out these Roth IRAs and 401ks. And I just thought I'd be rich. I'd have five, $10 million sitting in the bank because as we all know, sort of this compounding interest concept over 40 years is insane. So I just thought I was going to have all this money. And then I realized I don't really get joy out of spending a lot of money. So I started thinking, what can I do now? Instead of working until I'm 60, maybe I can do something now and retire a little bit early. And all I did was start searching podcasts for things like early retirement. And pretty quickly, I found some pretty influential people like Mad Scientist and Choose FI came on the scene a little bit later. But there was definitely some, you know, Mr. Money Mustache and all those guys were out there just with awesome content. So I just dove right in. So, Brad, you're currently 28, correct? Uh, just turned 29. Okay, just turned 29. So at what age did you actually discover these blogs? Because I know MMM has been around since 2012. So I'm trying to just do some quick math. You graduated probably back near then. So was it right when you got out of college or was it like a little after you got into the nine to five grind? Yeah, I was probably 25 years old. I was probably, that put me at about three years into the nine to five grind. So I was saving a lot of money. 
but definitely nothing strategic and to try to retire early or anything fun like that. All right. Yeah, that's pretty cool, Brad. I mean, and this is a story that I think we see is common amongst a lot of the people pursuing FI, right? They start their jobs and a couple of years into it, they quickly see that, okay, this isn't something that I want to do for the rest of my life, which is awesome. So my question to you being that I know that you're married and you have a daughter. So how did that happen? Like getting your wife on board? Was it pretty straightforward or is that something that you guys struggled with? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. And I'm really involved in the FI community in general, and I see a lot of people struggling with that. And it, it was not a struggle for us at all. I'll say a lot of what pulled me to Ashley was her similar mindset from a frugal perspective. We we were on the same page that, you know, not just about saving money, but that spending money on frivolous things just wasn't something we were interested in, and that we could live happier lives by not focusing on material stuff. So we didn't have to have the newest cars and the biggest houses and we didn't have to go out to, you know, every football game or what whatever it was. So that was really interesting to me and I think it sort of put us on the same page. So I would say <laughs> if we can spin this into advice for someone who is not yet in a serious relationship, if you're on this spy journey or you're interested in this spy journey, then make sure that you're looking for a spouse that has a similar mindset because just from a finance perspective, that choice will change your entire life. And if you don't get that one right, or at least, you know, be thoughtful about it. Um, yeah, you can, you know, forget about the five journey or what brings you happiness because you'll have bigger issues. <laughs> so Brad, I have a question kind of due to my ignorance and that's because I am not a father like you and TJ are. So you guys are both in kind of similar familial positions. You both are married and you both have a daughter. And I have neither of those. I'm only 22 years old. haven't quite started that part of my life yet. But I know a very big limiting belief is that you can't travel and do all these things when you have young kids. So what has that experience been like having your two-year-old daughter, Evelyn, traveling around the country with you? You know, I love that term limiting belief. And it's almost like there are just so many. And you're absolutely right that having kids in general and the, the FI community seems to be a limiting belief to me. And I'll say there are a couple of different avenues that I come from with that. And one is that you can't take this FI path and have children, or that taking this FI path and having children is just some major burden and it knocks you back five or 10 years and it's just this horrible thing. Because you obviously you shouldn't think of kids that way. Uh, but also don't let having kids interrupt your FI path because it really won't. If you have a frugal mindset, then kids don't have to be that expensive. Don't get me wrong, diapers and wipes and all that stuff, it costs money and it's it's not fun to pay for it. But at the end of the day, it is not, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a year or anything like that. The other thing I'll say is that when you have children, a lot of people on the FI path sort of forget to put the kids first sometimes. And you do things like you won't take them out to eat because you got to pay for an extra kid's meal that's 10 or 15 bucks, or you won't buy them certain toys because it's just too expensive, even though they're absolutely in love with it. You start to forget what might bring your kid joy. And that's the whole point of all of this anyway. It's, it's about spending our money where we find happiness and we find joy. And you're basically ripping it out of your kid's hands because you know, you don't see the tangible value to it. So, but to actually answer your question, traveling with a child, I would say it's, it is difficult. I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's just amazing and everyone should do it. It is an added difficulty 
we are tiptoeing around the RV after 6.30 at night because she's asleep. We are, you know, when I get up in the mornings, I can't take a shower because it'll wake her up. And just trying to go for a hike or trying to go for a five-hour car ride, it's, it's a lot more stressful. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. You just have to sort of man up and, and understand that there's going to be a struggle to it. And then you just lean into that discomfort and go with it because you get this one life and we're all searching for, you know, sort of happiness and, and Phi happens to be the path we're on to reach that happiness. And so things are going to be a struggle. And if you stop doing everything that seems like it's going to be hard, then I don't know if you're going to have a very rewarding life. Yeah, Brad, I mean, you touched on a few things that we have to come back to because they're just so powerful. Like the first thing I heard you say or, you know, talk about is that a lot of people on this journey forget why they're doing it in the first place. Like we literally pry the things that give our children joy. We pry it out of their hands all in the name of saving money. And I have to admit, like I was totally guilty of this. This is something I did earlier on in my journey. And I've definitely since changed my worldviews. So I really love that point that you said. And then the second thing on top of that, which I absolutely love as well, is when you said if you spend your time constantly avoiding things that are difficult or, you know, a little bit more challenging, then you'll never live a very rewarding life. Like those are just two really powerful concepts that I really hope that people can take away from this episode. And Brad, so just to pivot out of the family conversation and gear it back towards your business and your career. So you were stuck in a nine to five job for these three years. And then what steps did you start taking to kind of pivot out of that nine to five job? What field were you in and what did you move on to? Yeah, so I'll start this by saying that my wife and I both were both really focused and motivated people. If we're going to do something, we're going to go ahead and do it right. That doesn't mean we're extreme about it. It just means that if I'm going to do a job or I'm going to start a career or I'm going to be a dad or whatever it is, I'm going to give it 100% because there's really no point just kind of piddling around with it. You may as well go for it. So when I came into my career, I actually came out of college with a economics degree and I wanted to be a financial advisor. I was already really interested in personal finance and consumer finance and these topics. And I thought I wanted to be a financial advisor. So I started working in banking fresh out of college. And after about six months, I realized it was, it just wasn't for me. I was tied down by the bank. I wasn't really advising anything. I was just sort of doing what they asked me to do, which I didn't think was in the best interest of the, the customers a lot of times. So I just started looking for any job that would take me really. And I just knew that I wanted out of banking. And I happened to fall into a tech job using a tool called salesforce.com. And my title early on uh, in that first job was a junior, a Salesforce junior administrator. And basically what that meant is that I was in training under a senior admin. And even though I knew nothing about it, even though it wasn't my passion, it wasn't my major in college, it was nothing I'd ever thought about doing. I figured if I'm here, I may as well tackle it and see what it's about. And so I worked hard and got certifications in this field. Basically, Salesforce offers these certifications that you can get. And within six months, I had my first certification. Within a year, I had three certifications. And if you're in this field, you know that these are basically your resume builders. This is how you convince a client to hire you. This is how you convince a company to hire you. It doesn't matter if you've worked six months or six years. If you've got some certifications, you're getting hired. And I just ran with it. 
And what really quickly happened was at that first job, I was making 36000 a year. And to me, that was great money. But the next job, I got a job a year later making 55000 I quit that job after two weeks because I got a job offer for 70000 Two weeks. <laughs> and uh, yeah, a year after that, I was making about 110000 So it escalated very quickly. So for anyone listening, the the iron is still hot. So if you want to hop right in and start doing Salesforce training, there's free training online and you can do the exact same thing that I did. Awesome. Well, that's definitely a super actionable tip that some of our listeners might want to implement. If you want to get out of this nine to five grind, Salesforce could be your way out. So Brad, were these income bumps, were those all just switching companies and you were still kind of nine to fiving it? Or at one point, did you kind of pivot and start freelancing a lot more and picking up private clients. Yeah. So what happened is I start I moved into consulting and that and that was the big jump. That's when I went up to like the six figure mark is when I started consulting. But it was a grind. I was working some weeks, you know, eighty to hundred hours. A typical week was probably fifty or sixty. And I was making good money, but I was also working like crazy. And at the time that didn't bother me too much. It was when we found out we were having our daughter that I decided there's there's no way I'm going to do this fatherhood thing and work 60 hours a week. I'm, I'm just not doing it, even if it means I have to take a 50% pay cut. So that that's actually what I did. I started looking for part-time jobs, which is sort of unheard of in the Salesforce environment. And what I did is I started getting on LinkedIn and just messaging local companies and saying, hey, I'm this admin, but I don't want to work full-time but I can do an awesome job and I can I can do a full timer's work in half the time. Just give me a shot. And a local company three miles down the street responded and they said they would give me a two week contract to come in there and work basically four hours a day. And if I could pull off what their current contractor was doing, they would hire me. And so I did it and I knocked it out of the park. And yeah, so then I started working part time and making $60,000 a year. And that wasn't nearly what I was making before. But like I said, I was more focused on spending time with my daughter. And the other thing is $60,000 a year due to these five concepts that paid all of our bills for a family of three. And it allowed us to max out both of our Roth IRAs, which for us was getting to spend all this time with family. And at the same time, having way more put away for retirement than your typical person. So Brad, that is just super intentional and that is just the type of stuff that really inspires me. But I'm curious, like, what does this whole process look like? Since you guys had your daughter, did you immediately go into start traveling the country or is this something that you guys eased your way into? Yeah, so it's it's definitely something we eased our way into. And so early on when I started working part time, this sort of amazing thing happened that I didn't expect. And it was that by only working four hours a day, I realized that my brain was kind of still working all day long and I, I couldn't sort of shut it off. So I kept having all these ideas that I could focus on now that I wasn't working 40, 50 hours a week. And I realized that I could just start my own company and still continue working four to five hours a day, but make twice as much money. So a funny thing sort of happened within six months of moving to part-time work. And that was, I got over this mental hurdle that starting my own company was this big thing that was just way too hard to accomplish. And it was only for, you know, these brilliant genius people. 
And it turns out it's really not. And I, I started thinking like, man, the guy who you know cuts the neighbor's grass, he owns his own company. And the guy who fixes the plumbing, he owns his own company. Like, I have to be able to do this myself. It can't be that big of a deal. And so I jumped right in, started my own company over a weekend and just filled out some basic paperwork and I was good to go. And I got my first client that next week and immediately working with them only seven hours a week, I was able to make an additional $50,000 a year working seven hours a week and immediately bumped my pay right back up to where it was beforehand. So that was pretty amazing. And then by doing that a little bit more, I've got two clients now and that's all I want. So right now I'm working 25 hours a week and pulling in, yeah, right at $150,000 a year. So it's amazing what you can do with that mental capacity that frees up when you're not grinding at work every day. You can sort of focus on what you want to do and maybe make a more optimal choice. And that's what we did. So that, that is the first thing we did right out of the gate. Like I said, six months after going to part-time work. So Brad, for any of our listeners interested in starting their own consulting type business, what are some of your tips for them? Like, how did you get those clients? It's not like you can just cold email someone and all of a sudden they'll hand over a contract that says you do this work and you get $50,000. Like, how does that process actually happen? Yeah. So I'll break it down as simple as I can. And and honestly, it's a pretty simple process. So what happens is I, I was consulting for a couple of years and in consulting, they are grinding you. So I was working probably five different projects at a time, doing 20 projects a year. So you can imagine I was interfacing with 20 different companies every single year, meeting people, flying out to see them, talking to them, doing great work for them. And so you can imagine after three years of that, or you know maybe two or three years of that, I've worked with 40 to 60 companies. And there is an absolute abundance of networking that took place at that time. So all I've got to do, and this is exactly what I did, is reach back out at that point and say, hey, pick five of your favorite companies that you worked with over the last couple of years and reach out and see if they have a little work for you to do. And as long as you do good work when you're in that consulting portion of your career, you will just have an abundance of people saying, yes, please come work for me. I constantly turn down work. I've had friends say, hey, I sent this guy over to you that needed help with Salesforce. And he said, you just told him you didn't have time. And I'm like, yeah, I don't even remember that guy because you're right. I I don't have time because I'm not just going to burn myself up to 60 hours a week again, you know, because again, this is a pursuit of happiness and uh, the 25 hour work weeks are a good balance for me. So for starting your own company, if I could break it down, it would be don't be afraid to start a company. Go start an LLC. Go start a sole proprietorship. It's a little bit different in every state, the forms you have to fill out. But like I said, I did it over a weekend. You can just Google your state plus how to start an LLC. And the forms are right there in front of you. It's not complicated. It's about 200 bucks to fill out the paperwork and file what you have to with the state. After that, you want to network as much as possible and get creative. Say, hey, I want to do a two-week free trial for you to prove to you that I'm valuable, to prove to you that I can change your company. And then you get out there and you do it. They'll pick you up right away. And that's when you talk money. That's when you start charging rates like a hundred bucks an hour and your time becomes immensely valuable. Yeah, Brad, that is just super cool and really getting over that mental hurdle. And I think that's really what's stopping a lot of people is they think it's too difficult to like start a business. They think, who am I to start a business? But when you think about, you know, those little tips that you said, just 
going on Google and actually just searching how to start a business or or how to start a business in such and such state. Like it's really not that difficult. And there are tons and tons of people who probably aren't even as smart as you are that are doing the same thing every single day. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I just want to reiterate that, that, you know, some of these things you think you can't do, just go give them a shot. I've heard some people talking recently about, you know, you don't have to ask permission to go do these things. You can do them. Like I said, it's 200 bucks to start a company and that's your floor. Like, yeah, you spend 200 bucks and maybe you get nowhere or maybe you make $150,000 a year working part time. So the ceiling is so high for what you can reach. Just take a stab at it. The, the risk is, is just totally worth it. So Brad, we covered kind of everything you've done with your career so far, and you're making incredible amount of money in a very short amount of time every week, 25 hours a week, not quite the four hour work week, but close to it. Right. And, but you're not sitting around playing Call of Duty in your boxers all day. You're not sitting around just eating potato chips, vegging out. You're traveling the country in an RV with your wife, Ashley, and your daughter, Evelyn. So could you just talk about like the birth of that idea and how that experience has been so far and all about the trip? Where have you been so far? Yeah, where have we been? That's the <laughs> that's the easy question. So we left out of Tampa, Florida, and we've been traveling for right at three to four months now. And we are currently in British Columbia, Canada. So everything's covered in wildfires, but it's still pretty amazing to be in these new places. We went north through the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. We shot west through South Dakota and the Badlands, out to Yellowstone, up to Glacier, and yeah, now we're getting ready to head down the West Coast. So we'll go straight down the Pacific Highway and we'll spend the winter somewhere right around San Diego. So yeah, it's it's pretty amazing to see all these places and get to enjoy it along the way because as we've kind of covered, I'm, I'm not working a whole lot. I work on Eastern time. So I, I start work at 6 a.m. and I work until about 10, 1030 and then I'm done for the day. So it's uh, it's not a bad life. And then the the other thing that I'll touch on there is that a lot of people think that this RV trip was some dream that we've had or some passion that we've had. It's absolutely not. Neither one of us grew up in camping families or RVing families. I went camping a few times as a kid, uh, tent camping, and my wife had never been camping at all. And it's just another one of those things to just be flexible and be open to ideas and and be ready to jump. And that's what a FI lifestyle brings to the table. If you can focus on being flexible and be intentional about your decisions and designing flexibility into your life by doing things like taking part-time jobs. Maybe you make half as much money, and you know that was my intention, and I would have been happy making half as much money. And so, like I said, slow down your five journey if you need to so that you can actually enjoy that journey. So to get back to the point, the, the RV trip is nothing we even considered. I heard a friend talking about it, how he wanted to go on an RV trip, and I went in and I talked to Ashley, and I said, hey, what if we what if we took a year and went on a trip? And she just said, yeah, let's, uh, let's do it. Within six weeks, we had our house rented out. We researched and bought a truck. We researched and bought an RV, stuck the two together, got the lease signed for the house, and we just hit the road. We, we knew nothing about it. We still know hardly anything about it. But again, lean into that discomfort, challenge yourself a little bit. And it's pretty amazing what you can cover. And based on what we're doing this year and what's happened in the last couple of years, I, I have no doubt we're going to have a lot of fun. Right. And that actually just brings like a couple questions to my mind. So this seems like it was totally spontaneous. This is something that you talked about with a friend and you just decided, hey, you know, this is something that would really make sense for our lives and let's just jump in and do it. So 
That's awesome. So my question is, have your trips been like really planned and thought out? How long do you guys stay in certain places? Or is this something that you guys are just totally winging? <laughs> so I wouldn't say we're totally winging it. If we stay a place an entire week, then we're probably pretty bored by the end of that week. If you haven't noticed by our story, we're not exactly the type to sit down and, and hang out and watch TV and, you know, eat cereal. And, and, and that's fun. And we, we do watch a lot of TV. We're not like some kind of, you know, guru minds that just go all the time. But yeah, I mean, we, we just like to feel productive and it, it feels nice to move to a new place and check out a new spot and have a new view. We do plan a little bit. We typically have our spots to at least know where we're going to stay two to three weeks in advance, especially if it's a big national park or something like that. If it's the middle of nowhere, then there's no need to book. You find a campground when you get there or there's not to get into too much detail, but there, there are free spots to park on public lands and it's just called dry camping and you just set up shop and hang out there for a few days. That sounds awesome. And Brad, something I just want to touch on, it seems like a recurring theme kind of in your journey so far is this idea to challenge things that seem too difficult to overcome. It seems like you guys just kind of dive in head first and then figure it out from there. And I love that because that is the exact same way I operate. Like I like failing because that's how I learn new things. And I think that's super powerful. And I can tell you have the same mindset. That's exactly right. I don't know. I just passionately, unapologetically have no interest in excuses or reasons why you can't do things. Don't worry about why you can't do something. Just jump in, back yourself into a corner and figure out how to make it work. Don't, don't worry about why it won't work. Find the reasons how to make it work and focus on those things and it'll work out. You just have to stay focused. You can't be wishy-washy and jumping from thing to thing or you're not going to have success anywhere. Focus on one or two things and dominate it. And there's a lot more there. You know, there's this sort of recurring theme that I've seen in the DeFi community. And I think, you know, other people are, are in this as well, but it's this idea of autopilot. I've seen so many people say, uh, I'm maxing out my 401ks and my Roth IRAs and I'm putting a little money away into other savings accounts and I'm just on autopilot now. And I, I really don't like that because if you think you're optimized 100%, if you think that you're on autopilot and there's nothing you can do to get a, another step up, like you're crazy. There, there's so many things that you can go after and you can do so much more than you're doing right now. And I think people look at us and they go, ah, man, you've got to already be fine. Like, why do you even want to go any further? Like, this is the life. And I, I agree, this is an awesome life. But I'm not just going to sit back and say, all right, this is pretty cool. And this is awesome. And I'm 29. And so I'm just done. So yeah, at, at 29, I'm not I'm not ready to say I'm done yet. So I, I may not work 60 hours a week. And I may not be the VP of some company one day, but I'm not really interested in those pursuits. Um, there's a lot more you can do, like take an RV trip around the country. And if you hate it, stop. And if you love it, keep going. And there's really not a lot of risk involved there. As we sort of took this pursuit, we always told ourselves, because of these, again, these five concepts that we put into our life, we have flexibility of income where if I lost my job, it'd be okay. We have flexibility to say, man, if we just absolutely hate this trip, we can just go rent somebody else's house. We can stop and stay in hotels. We can fly to Hawaii and rent a place there. If we get bored with this, if anything else happens, it's not like we're locked in. It's not like we have massive payments on this truck and trailer that we just can't get rid of them or can't do what we need to do. There's so much flexibility that even though we say we're going to do this trip for a year, if we decide not to, there's nobody that's got us cuffed down to say we have to. Right. And um, 
just to hit on a couple points that you mentioned, I mean, talk about a one-liner. Back yourself into a corner and figure it out. That is so cool, and I really love that. And then the second thing that you said, which I'm totally guilty of as well, is most of us in this space just feel like we're perfectly optimized. Like, a lot of people feel like, all right, you, you know, it's just time to wait for, you know, the next five to ten years. I'll hit five and I'm just going to go off sailing to the sunset. But that is absolutely a terrible idea. There's always something more that we can be doing to improve ourselves and to improve the quality of our life. And that is what it's all about, right? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, and when I talk about optimizing or taking the next step, a lot of people get burnt on these five sort of principles and this optimizing. If you're burnt out on optimizing, by all means, take a breather, take a step back and enjoy the journey, right? You're already retiring early anyway, like give it a rest and enjoy the next five, 10 years of your life while you get there. But when I talk about optimizing, it's not always about money. It's not always about bringing the date in closer. Again, I mean, for us, I fully expected to push our date back four or five years by taking a part-time job. It's not about finance optimization. This whole thing is about life optimization and finding as much happiness and joy as you can possibly get out of this one life that you get. And just make sure you knock it out because you get one shot. There's no point stressing five or 10 years on your five journey and just burning yourself up because uh, that just doesn't sound like the pursuit of happiness to me. And so, Brad, just to kind of hop back to your trip, because I'm sure a lot of people in this space are interested in either downsizing their home, doing an RV type of thing, or just traveling the world. So could you talk a bit about expenses? I know I've read it on your blog, but if you could just tell the audience like what your weekly expenses look like, is this attainable for anyone? Yeah. So for us back home, we were spending roughly, I would say $45,000 a year. That does not include a mortgage and we, we don't have car payments. So obviously it's a lot more than that if you're living with a mortgage. So for us, we're living on 45,000 a year back home. So like I said, we're about three months into this and we are on track to spend about $40,000 this year. There are more unexpected expenses from our standpoint, at least there are some changes that take place. Like after a long travel day, you don't feel like going home and whipping the grill out and cooking at home. You just want to grab some food on the way in. And sometimes you don't know where you are. So you stop at a, well, it looks like a Waffle House and it's 20 bucks a meal. So, so those kind of things happen and they might throw off your budget and you just got to brush those things off and keep moving. The, the other things are, we've had crazy things happen. Like we broke an axle. We had to stay in a hotel for three nights and thanks to travel hacking and travel rewards, those three nights were free. But still, I mean, the axle was like 600 bucks. We were put away for three days and you know, that's, a, that's an expensive week. But I'll say on average, we spend about $700 a week and we are not excessively frugal. Like, like I've sort of mentioned before, we've got our daughter. We're not interested in depriving ourselves. So do we eat steak dinners every night? Absolutely not. But we'll buy steaks and we'll eat them at home. Do we, you know, try to optimize our fuel efficiency by stacking things awkwardly in the RV or whatever we need to do? No, 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 no. We're not that, you know, hardcore. So we get 10 miles a gallon and it sucks and that's all right. It's part of the trip. Yeah, we spend about 700 bucks a week. And to us, that makes a lot of sense for this experience that we're getting. So I, I'd say bottom line is if you can afford to buy a truck and a trailer and then you can afford 700 bucks a week after that, then you can live the exact same lifestyle that we're living. 
All right, Brad. So you're 28 years old and it seems like you've had your whole life figured out. So, I mean, just what is the big picture for you? What do you want to accomplish with your life? Yeah. So I'll say definitely my number one focus in life is dominating this parenting thing. And if, if that means I have to give up fire, if that means I have to retire at 60, but I don't look back and regret parenting, then I will absolutely take that. I think there's so many parents out there that talk about, hey, man, just grind and, and finish out a couple of years early and hit your fine number. And your daughter's still only going to be, you know, what, six, seven years old. And then you'll have all these years after that to hang out with her. And you can still see her on, you know, weekends and all this fun stuff. Or just parents in general, assuming they've got this magic 18 years to spend with their kid. And the truth is, if, if you get realistic with yourself, there is a distinct possibility and probability that your kid isn't going to want to hang out with you a whole lot after 11 or 12 years old. And so they may be in your house, they may be eating your food and you know sleeping in one of your rooms, but mentally they've checked out. And that's okay. And that's what they should be doing. Obviously, you want to think that they'll go on family trips and they'll love those kind of things. And, and hopefully they will and love their parents and want to hang out with them until they are 18. Who knows? But you have to keep in mind that's not promised. And those early years, you're never going to get them back. So you've got to dedicate and you've got to jump on that while it's there. Because just like anything else, it, it may not be there when you think it should. Wow, Brad. I mean, you just have a super awesome story. and. It's just something that I think is really going to challenge people to really look back at their lives and look at what they're doing currently and figure out, you know, what are these little things that I can improve just to have a better quality of life. And that's just super amazing and definitely inspires me as well. So with that, I mean, Brad, can you tell our listeners, like, what is the best place that they can reach you and find you online? Yeah. If you want to find us online, we do blog about our travels. We're still early on. We're three months in, but the blog's way behind. I think it's at like week five right now. But you can find us at headscarolinatellscalifornia.com. And you can find us on Instagram at the same place. It's a little lengthy, but the concept is you flip a coin and you decide if you want to go to Carolina or California. So it's totally up to you. That's awesome, Brad. And that's definitely due to the lifestyle that you created because you literally can flip a coin and just decide where to drive the next day. So that is just super cool. But this would not be the Fire Below Zero podcast if we did not introduce you to the Spittin' Fire segment where you get to drop the hottest financial knowledge on our guests. You think you're ready? I'm ready. Welcome to the Spittin' Fire segment where we get to pick the brains of some of the best and brightest in an effort to live better, more intentional lives. Are you ready to transform your future? Wow, that was cool. Okay. What is the number one most influential thing you've read in the past year, whether it be a book, a blog post, whatever? All right. So the most influential thing, it's, it's definitely not something I've read or listened to. It actually comes straight from an experience. And so my dad retired recently, a little bit early at 56. And his best friend was actually a huge part of his life and still is a huge part of his life. But a lot of what he was relying on in retirement was just hanging out with his buddy all the time. And, and that was just a big part of his vision. And then his friend was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. So I'll jump straight to the finish. He is getting healthier. Chemo is working. So that's great. But I made a realization 
that if you're on this journey and you're trying to retire early, and, and whether it's that or it's anything else in your life, try not to put your faith or your vision into things that may or may not be there, especially if it's people. There are certain things that you can control. You can control things like if you want to retire in Fiji, you can pretty well control that unless it, you know, a volcano or tsunami hits it. You can control that. You can move there if you want to. It's all about just getting the right amount of money. If you want to drive a Range Rover and, you know, ride motorcycles and whatever else you want to do, you can do those things because they're going to be there. But try not to put all of your eggs in this basket of things that may go away. So if you think you're going to buy this rental or whatever, a property out in Hawaii and your kids are just going to be there all the time hanging out with you, or you think you're going to have, you know, your best friend or your parents to hang out with in these years. So I think you just have to be thoughtful of that and try to make sure you put your vision, not just into people because people change and things change and uh, you don't always have control of that. Well, wow, that is just super powerful. And I, I totally see where you're coming from on that because I've definitely lost some loved ones and it just comes out of nowhere and you really can't plan for it. But the things you can plan for, the things you can control, those are the things you should be focusing on. Don't bank on, like you, like your dad did, don't bank on your best friend being there because not only could they pass away from a terminal illness, but your best friends can change or just circumstances can change. And so I think that's really important, Brad. All right, Brad, second question. Who would you say currently is the most influential person in your life? Wow, that's a pretty awesome question. So I'm going to have to answer with two because there are different aspects of my life. Number one, and this is not for brownie points, the most influential person in my life is going to have to be split between my daughter, Evelyn, and my wife, Ashley. If it wasn't for Evelyn, there's no way I would have considered the part-time thing. There's no way I ever would have gotten out of the grind there's no way I would have figured out what actually brings joy, makes me happy. Never would have went on this RV trip. Never would have done a lot of things that we're going to do in the future. And so if you think kids bring you down, don't worry. They, they don't. They bring out the best in you. The same goes for my wife. It's, it would be absolutely impossible to do these things. Like we talked about earlier in the podcast, it's, you know, how did you get your wife on board? Or how did you guys sort of go this direction together and convince each other to do these things? And there was no convincing. It's just she supports anything that's going to bring happiness to us. So if that's taking an RV trip, then we do it. If that's working part time and not driving around in a Range Rover, then she's okay with that. And we just go after what we want to go after. And a lot of this I get to be on the forefront on. You know, I'm the one talking on this podcast. You know, I'm the one in a couple of articles. And the truth is, she's the brains behind this whole thing. And she brings up these ideas that are like, man, you know, you could work part time, you could start your own company, and then you could spend even more time with Evelyn. And it's really her that's pivotal to brainstorming and figuring out how to make these ideas work. And I lied because I said two, but we're going to make it three. (laughs) There was a college professor. He was my professor in consumer economics. He passed away just a couple of years ago, but his name was Dr. Gustafson. And He made us raise our hand at the beginning of this college course, and he said, raise your hand if you want to be rich. And of course, everybody raises their hand. And he said, I can guarantee a way for you guys to be rich. And he told us about Roth IRAs, a company called Vanguard, and index funds. And he showed us that you may not be rich tomorrow, you may not be rich next year, but you will be rich by the time you're 60 years old. That was the first pivotal moment. I don't know that I ever would have crossed that line into early retirement and financial independence. 
if I didn't first get pushed in the direction of how important retirement itself is. Wow, that's awesome because I did not have any professors who even remotely thought of FI. (laughs) Most of my finance professors were not good at personal finance, coincidentally, and you could tell they just blew through all their money. But one thing that I noticed is that being intellectually smart is a lot different than being financially smart with your personal finances. And it's just such a stark difference. So it's awesome that you had that guiding light from that professor. And it's even cooler to hear that your wife and your daughter inspire you to do all these awesome things because family is always there. And well, I, I guess I'm kind of going back because family isn't always there, but family is always there to support you when they're around. And so that's just a super awesome and powerful thing. I think you're right. And like you said, family is always there, even though the last question sort of says, yeah, maybe they're not. But going back to that a little bit, like fundamentally, if you're going to rely on anything, you have to have relationships and you have to rely on your family. And if they're not there tomorrow, maybe it'll sweep you off your feet and blindside you. And, And who knows, like you said, people change. It doesn't have to be some catastrophic event. Like somebody can wake up tomorrow and just say, I don't like who you've become, Brad. You're this weird guy who goes on RV trips and doesn't want to hang out with us anymore back in Florida or wherever. And and they can say, hey, you know, I change every day. And and I know that I'm going to change a lot in the future and I'm going to pivot and I'm going to go all kinds of different directions. So I can't blame people for maybe not liking the person I'm becoming, even though that may not be a negative. That doesn't mean they have to like that. I think you do have to put some faith in relationships because that is a lot of what at least brings me happiness. But yeah, just make sure that that, that vision that you're shooting for, you know, that, that you can find happiness uh, in, in more than one place, I guess. All right, Brad. So the next question that we have is, what is one app that you currently use on your phone that you just can't do without that you think you have found very, very helpful along your journey? Yeah. Wow. That's a good question. So I've got a few different apps that I use. A few of them are blog related. So when it comes to the YouTube app, the Instagram app and the WordPress app, we're all over those because it's just kind of fun to see where your progress is going and, and those kind of fun things. Another app that we spend a lot of time on is uh, are the Netflix and Hulu apps, because even on an RV trip and you're moving around the world, you you get a little burnt out and you just need to relax. And I think that's some advice for not just five people, but anybody it's because you're sitting there watching TV or watching shows and you enjoy that. That doesn't make you, you know, some couch potato who doesn't go out and get it done. Like we still watch probably two hours of TV just about every night. And it's because you need that time to decompress. You need that time to relax and sort of let your mind go a little bit. Because if you're like me, your your brain never shuts off and you're just going to go 90 to nothing. So find some time to give it a break. I'll throw out one more. And it is just your basic podcast app on the iPhone for me, at least. And that is just my window into so much information that I gain. It's where we're going to find you guys, obviously, or at least one of the places. It's where I found Choose FI and the Mad Scientist and and just all these incredible resources for, yeah, just living a more intelligent life. Definitely. Well, thank you for sharing all those apps with us, I'm sure. Our listeners probably use a decent amount of them, but maybe they heard about an app that they've never used before. So we like just kind of throwing those tidbits of information in to see what apps people are using nowadays. But... Brad, I don't know if you're ready for this. This is the last question of the podcast, and it is the wild card question. (laughs) And I'm literally going to make it up on the spot. This is not premeditated whatsoever. (laughs) So just get ready for complete randomness. Do you think you're ready? I don't know if I'm ready for this one, but let's do it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So you are a 90s, or are you an 89 or 90s baby? 
I'm an 89 baby. Okay, you're an 89 baby. So my question is, what is your favorite Nickelodeon show or was your favorite Nickelodeon show? And tell us why. Oh, you're not going to like this answer, Cody. Oh, all right. (laughs) So I grew up on a farm in rural West Georgia, and we actually had cows and chickens and boarded horses, and we did not subscribe to television. I had a black and white in 1995 as a six-year-old. I still had a black and white TV. (laughs) Um, The only thing I heard about Nickelodeon was... (laughs) from friends at school. And if I had a babysitter, that's when I would uh, (laughs) learn about Nickelodeon. So I will tell you that my favorite cartoon and sort of my favorite thing to do growing up was Pokemon. So I dove in like neck beyond neck deep and it was just (laughs) everything. So Pokemon was my thing from cards to games to everything else. And yeah, if you find me driving my car, you'll actually find there's a Pokemon Hunter sticker on the back of my car today. <laughs> wow, I really did not expect that answer at all, Brad, but that is that is pretty cool. I'm, I'm actually kind of curious. This is a whole other episode, but I wonder if that lack of like sophisticated technology as a young kid kind of pushed you to try entrepreneurial ventures and kind of just pushed you down that route because you weren't just sitting there watching SpongeBob for 10 hours a day. <laughs> yeah, I think it certainly added to a level of frugalness to not grow up in a family that had a ton of money, or at least they weren't interested in spending a ton of money. We did a lot more outside. We did a lot more baling hay and feeding cows and and that kind of fun stuff. Not to say we had a ton of fun, but there was a lot of work involved. So I think it introduced a lot of hard work ethic and definitely did not introduce a materialism. Wow, Brad, that is so amazing. And I'm just super excited for all those little tips that you left us and you left the listeners. Right. I'm so excited to implement some of those strategies myself. I think that the life that you're living is just something that most of us can only dream of. But what you've done on this episode is shown us that it's actually possible. Right. If we just decide to do just these little things, we can definitely improve the quality of our lives. So thank you so much, Brad, for being on the show and sharing your story with us. It was so amazing to really get to dive deep into your journey and your progress so far on this path. Yeah, I I really appreciate it too. Yeah, thanks TJ and thanks Cody. And yeah, it's been an awesome opportunity and I'm I'm glad you guys, you know, made the time for me. To the listeners, it's definitely about don't wait to have a kid to get creative. Don't wait for some major event to happen to get creative. You can implement these things today and the life I'm living, you know, it, it may seem amazing, but It is the tip of the iceberg for what's possible. So just get out there and do it. Wow, TJ, this was just such an awesome episode. And like we kind of touched on in the very first episode, we brought people in behind the scenes. Brad has never been on another podcast before, but his story is incredible. Like he's literally living the dream lifestyle. That is the lifestyle that people pursuing financial independence aim for. And to me, it's just crazy the things he's doing at 29. Right, Cody. I mean, this guy's story is so amazing. Brad is only 29 years old, but he's traveling the country with his family. He's able to spend time with his daughter while still making $150,000 a year while working part-time. I mean, if that's not a story, I don't know what is. And this was what we always wanted to capture. Yeah. And one quote that I thought was really inspiring, and you mentioned it before TJ was 
jump in, back yourself into a corner and figure out how to make it work. And that's just such a powerful concept because I love that idea. Like you have to force yourself to learn something by maybe it's failing, but just backing yourself into that corner and really making yourself take it to the next level. That is what's going to make you successful in life. That is what is going to challenge you. And that is what's going to improve your skill set and make you a better person. Right. There's so many people that don't have, you know, the biggest blogs or website or YouTube channels, but they have the most actionable tips. So I hope that you listeners were able to find something in this episode to take for yourself and actually implement in your life so you can have a better financial future, but also a better quality of life, which is exactly what Brad is all about. So, yeah, this was just amazing. And I hope you guys enjoyed yeah, definitely, TJ. This episode was just jam-packed with actionable tips. I mean, Brad showed us that it really is possible to live this life traveling the country, making $150,000 a year, working just a few hours every morning. He said he works about 20 to 25 hours a week. And this doesn't have to be through Salesforce like Brad is doing. This can be any job that can be converted into a consultant or freelance type gig. You just have to be willing to put in the time and become a master of your craft. So... If you know anybody who could benefit from this episode, someone who's just stuck in that 9 to 5 grind and needs an outlet, send them here. Or if you got some value out of this episode, please leave a rating or review. It just helps us so much to get recognized and spread this message to even more people. We actually just added a really cool feature on our website where you can leave a voicemail. So if you really like this episode, tell us your thoughts on our new voicemail feature at firebelowzero.com slash voicemail. And be sure to check out our Facebook group at Fire Below Zero. This has been another episode of the Fire Below Zero podcast, a cooler approach to financial independence. I have experience pot, uh, like editing audio because in high school, I used to rap. <laughs> Is it bad that I'm not totally surprised? <laughs> I was kind of surprised, but yeah, that's funny.